This is a conversation with Diana Fosho. Hi, Diana. Hi, Serge. Lovely to see you. Same here. So, what is AEDP? How can we talk about it? Okay. Yes, indeed. Um, it's, uh, I, we could do a five-day workshop on it, and I can try to give you a two, three, four-minute answer. Um, so, we'll go for the latter. Uh, I mean, I think of ADP really in two ways, really, and one is that it is a comprehensive model of psychotherapy with a theoretical framework, um, a set of characteristic interventions, a well-delineated phenomenology, which I'm going to talk to you about in a little bit. Uh, and I think of that as AEP proper. But mm-hmm. uh, there's also a way in which AEP as a theory is really a model, and that is really what has fascinated me over all of these years, that it's a really a model of transformational processes. Okay. So maybe a good entry point is actually knowing that it has all of these dimensions. Uh, to to enter it from the angle that it's a model of transformative processes. Yes. Um, so that one of the things that, you know, in the way in which I, by nature, am not territorial, I am just as interested in describing the transformational processes that are characteristic of ADP, narrowly defined as I am interested in transformation, transformational dynamics and phenomenology, regardless of what model or set of interventions somebody uses. So it's it's a fascination with the transformation process. Yeah. Yeah. And very specifically, defining the phases of the process and the phenomenology. Mm -hmm. So this actually gets me back to ADP, uh, in a very specific way, in that it's not, it, I'll tell you also what it's not. Okay. It's not a manualized treatment. It's not a how-to. Um, it's really a phenomenology-based model mm-hmm. where the therapist's interventions and really how the therapist reads the patient has everything to do with different phases in or the phenomenology of different phases of the transformational process. So in other words, um, to see if I follow you, there is uh, some sort of a roadmap which is not linear. Yes. And uh, there is the uh, therapist interacting with the patient having that roadmap uh, in this journey. Yes, I think that's uh, actually a very lovely lovely way to, to talk about it. Um, and the roadmap, right, are the sort of, um, in some sense of where we want to go, mm-hmm. and some sense of being able to read what one is encountering and use it what one is encountering in the interaction, in the experience of the patient, to sort of like guide the next set of interventions. Mm-hmm. So, Mm-hmm. Right. So, so in a way, as I'm following you, that that sense of um, uh, so-called primitive people in the middle of nature being able to find all these clues 
So uh, that sense of the terrain is really helping you go where you want to go. Exactly, exactly. And the terrain is really uh, the what I call the phenomenology of the transformational process, that mm -hmm. the content will look very different, that the dynamics of each individual, I mean, a tremendous, you know, the infinite variety, also like with a dyad, mm -hmm. is really co-constructing. But that it's the phenomenology is invariant, and it's not specific to an individual. It's not specific to a method. It's not specific to a process. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's the beauty of the phenomena that yeah. sort of guide us. So. Yeah. 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 Great. So, so that feels that feels actually very, very welcoming as a sense that uh, you're in the middle of a very, very, very unique experience exactly. that happens with this very unique client, this very unique therapist, this very unique session, and at the very same time, you're very, you're in the middle of something that is far wider and is something larger and common and has a lot in common with all the other transformative processes that happens to all the other clients and therapists and so on. Exactly. Exactly. Hmm. So, so we're talking around that, around that sense that, you know, the ADP is, around, is based around that model. It's based around that model, and I think, I think there are a couple of things that, you know, I would say at this point, are certainly distinguishing features, possibly, I'm going to say unique, mm -hmm. um, at this point in the history of the field, uh, maybe they won't be as unique <laughs> in a little while. Um, and I think that, you know, it's the phenomenology of the transformational process, what I was talking about just now, that applies across model and models and terrains and individuals. I think that's one thing. But I think what we're doing that's pretty specific at this point is also having a sense of dyadic experience. Mm -hmm. Really sort of being pioneers of, if we're going to stay with this metaphor that we've started, we're mapping the phenomenology of the dyadic terrain. Mm -hmm. And it's not, you know, every therapy in the universe, regardless of what its methods are, depends on a good patient-therapist relationship. Mm -hmm. What ADP does is really take it out of this nice hump in the background where the relationship is just operating implicitly. So one of our phrases is, or one of the phrases that I sort of, that I teach with is make the implicit explicit mm -hmm. and make the explicit experiential. Okay. So, so um, uh, very interesting that, you know, what happens, a characteristic of the therapeutic relationship is that it involves a client and a therapist. So a central part of this approach is to pay attention to the phenomenology of that relationship. Yes. And, uh, you know, to make the implicit explicit and the explicit experienced. Exactly. And that, so it's not just, for instance, a relationship that, as I said, is operating implicitly, but what is the client's experience of the therapist? What's the client's experience? Mm 
of the relationship? What's the client's experience, receptive experience, for instance, of being with somebody who's empathic towards them? Mm -hmm. Empathy makes it go, but then if you actually focus on the receptive experience of empathy, yeah. then it becomes a whole different thing. Right, right. So we're not just staying at the level of empathy is necessary or important, right. but what it does in the experience of the client. Exactly, exactly. You know, and then it becomes a world of itself. Because empathy is really not what the therapist offers. It is what the therapist offers, but the part that matters is what the patient receives, yeah. the client receives. So yeah. it's of that receptive experience. Right. You sort of hang out there and work with it experientially. When it gets in, how it gets in, if it gets in, why it doesn't get in, what it has to do with past, what it has to et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But so just simply in saying that, it's a very... Uh, you know, it's a great illustration of how it's a dyadic process because you're not focusing on, say, well, the therapist has to offer this. Exactly. But to say what the therapist offers, actually what counts is how it's received and how it resonates and how it's experienced. Exactly. And in that way, it tells us a lot about mm -hmm. the client, the therapist, the relationship, what's new, what's old, what's historic, what's emergent. I mean... Mm -hmm. That itself becomes, you know, all of these moments of experience, whether they're dyadic or intrapsychic or, mm -hmm. you know, become these opportunities for just a very, very profound exploration in the context, in the context of a dyadic relationship. Yeah. 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 So, for instance, um, what's happening in a session uh, that is going to, in a way, make show how this model is affecting the way the therapist relates to the client? Just, just that stuff again? Yeah. So, in a way, uh, how, um, how in a session yeah. um, would you describe how this model mm -hmm. uh, affects the way the therapist relates to the client. Yeah. Um, I think there are a number of things. I think one is an encouragement, you know, a number of things, and sometimes they clash and sometimes they're harmonious. Mm -hmm. But one is to really help the therapist assume a stance that's welcoming, that's open, that's inviting, that's receptive, and that's very, very much focused on having a very low threshold for noticing all the client is doing that's in a healing direction. Mm -hmm. It's a very healing-oriented, very non-pathology-oriented model. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So a very low threshold for noticing health moves towards health, contact, healing on the part of the client. So one, a predisposition, mm -hmm. an orientation on the part of the therapist yeah. in that way. I think that's one. And the second has to do with 
just a tunement. So it's not one stance towards all. But mm-hmm. uh, through the attunement, some sense that each diet is unique. Mm-hmm. And just being aware of that. You know, mm-hmm. Again, the invariance is trying to foster presence, slow down the process, shift to an internal focus. Again, these are general things yeah. specifically. But yeah. uh, that in the process of that, really noticing the rhythms of the dyad, what happens, uh, much more being curious about what emerges rather than purely trying to make something happen. Yeah, yeah. So, so in a way to, to start from the second to the first, that curiosity, that attunement, that really paying attention at the very moment by moment, very minute, very subtle level yes. of what's happening, not the agenda of something has to happen, but yes. what is happening. Yes. And your first point is in a way this is in a context where being very aware of finding what is positive that's happening yes. to nurture it and encourage it. Absolutely. Nurture it, encourage it, and mirror it back mm-hmm. to the clients so they themselves start to acquire or to have a sense of that in themselves because, you know, people who are traumatized in the midst of a lot of suffering come in all too aware of everything that's wrong. Uh, you know, there's a lot of shame, a lot of sense of doing things horrendously and having failed miserably or, you know, being inadequate to all sorts of situations. Yeah. That's the sense that the person walks in with in the midst of their trauma or difficulty or whatever. And it's sometimes surprising the unconscious with this resilience, mm-hmm. you know, coming in sort of prepared to encounter one sense of oneself. Yeah. And then the surprise of having, you know, in a way mm-hmm. the shadow side is the light side. That's yes. what gets revealed. Yes, so that thing that you were very afraid of is actually the source of your strength. And uh, and it's done by simply that uh, gentle, accepting uh, presence, mirroring presence of the therapist. Yes. So that, uh, in a way, it's not through a lot of explanation necessarily, but that mirroring yes. that makes the shadow acceptable, that reveals the strength. Right. Right. And that very often it's the light that's in the shadow, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of just the lack of awareness of strengths, potential, you know, how much move towards healing mm-hmm. there is. And that's so often not at all in the experience of the awareness. Yeah. So what feels very nice as I'm listening to you is it feels like this gives a, a, a lot of, um, uh, you know, meat and bones to what you said earlier at the beginning about it's a model of transformation. Yes. And it feels like you have articulated very nicely that sense of, okay, this is how transformation happens. There's like a learning. Yes. And that learning uh, is helped by the curiosity and the mirroring 
So very much going to the source of attachment uh, as a way of um, of learning and a very good condition for learning. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> but that's true. That's really true. Um, that is one of the fundamental aspects of the attention relationship, which is providing both the holding environment but mirroring and providing opportunities for learning. very strong role of the emotion part. Yes. And, uh, and so it's not surprising that the E That's right. is part of the name. Yes, yes. Experience and emotion, absolutely fundamental. You know, that, that's another sort of um, part of the grid on which we work, which is also being in the moment, tracking, and being there, but also with an eye towards fostering a dropping down mm -hmm. into visceral experience, into access to emotion. Really, um, the role of cognition is at the very end. It's much more integrative after a process or an experience has gone through mm -hmm. the focus in the earlier the, um, the focus on the, on the earlier parts of the process of the session yes. being much more on fostering emotion, focusing on emotion, focusing on experience, and getting out of interpretation. With the therapist, none of that, very little explanation mm -hmm. beyond minimal psychoed. Otherwise, just getting into a space where these various phenomena start to do their thing. Yeah, yeah. So, in a way, to use your phrase about making the implicit explicit, uh, what we're also saying is that, uh, you know, there is a big role to the body that's implicit in there. Uh, that the change, the, a lot of the process, is something that happens at that visceral level. And the attunement that you describe is also something about uh, that attention and resonance to the body as it's happening. So it's very much a bottom-up process. Very much a bottom-up process. Now, um, part of this making the implicit explicit and the explicit experiential is really exploring the felt sense mm -hmm. of whatever is under consideration rather than idea, an idea or a narrative very much focused on, yes, what, what's in the body, what's right brain mediated, 
Mm-hmm. What's at that level of experience in helping the person, helping the patient, the client, really just have a very felt sense mm-hmm. of whatever's emerging or whatever yeah. we're dealing with. Yeah. So, is it possible maybe to talk about what might be happening in a given session um, to have a sense of that? Sure. Um, let's, I think, just the sense of working with whatever the patient, I say patient, with whatever the patient brings in. Mm-hmm. Um, and finding a focus, again, not a focus in a kind of cognitive way, but, you know, through the attunement, through the attunement, through the slowing down, through the dyad, really just paying a lot of attention to what's going good, to the person's experience in that way. Then finding and this kind of natural focus when there's an issue and the experiences that go with it, mm-hmm. whether it's a feeling, whether it's an experience in the relationship, and then processing that. Um, so, 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 you know, you say paying a lot of attention to, um, you know, what's happening. So let's say client comes and say is angry about her boss or something of that nature. Right. So, in a way, what happens then? What happens is two things right off the bat. One, I'm imagining really appreciating something about the clients bringing that in, their honesty, their directness, Mm -hmm. something that, and then asking for a very concrete description of a moment in that fight or that incident with the boss. and then really starting to facilitate the patient's access to that experience of anger, mm-hmm. anger at the boss, and what it feels like in the body, what the felt sense of it is, and really sort of processing that through, sort of getting it as visceral as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then seeing what happens. Sometimes it brings to the past. Sometimes it can just go through into an action tendency. Mm-hmm. Like I'm thinking in this particular case, that then feeds back into some aspect of the patient. Like now she can feel assertive or less depressed or more regulated or, you know, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And assuming, you know, that the process has gotten through because it would be just as productive to work, what are the blocks to not being able to feel angry? What are the blocks to not being able to express? That's also productive. But in this little case, it's going through. Uh, and the person, the, this woman, she's a woman in my mind, she's mm-hmm. a woman, she's you know, who's really touched something really important and has really felt her anger and experiences a transformation in her body. She feels stronger, she feels less anxious, less depressed, something like that. Mm -hmm. For us at that point, 
that that's when this other phase of AP that we haven't really talked about, and it's equally characteristic of it, that we call the therapeutic processing begins, where we're actually processing transformational experience with as much focus and attention as we process emotional experience. So the first phase was, let's say, focusing on our anger and wherever it goes in an adaptive, positive way. The second phase of the work so what is, what is it like for you to now feel such strength in your body? What is it like for you to have the confidence that you didn't... What is it like for you and me to do this together, that you came in all that kind of shape and now you have a sense of your own power, blah, blah, blah. And that working with the patient's experience of the transformation that they have just had mm -hmm. just unleashes a whole bunch of yet another transformation process. So that's yeah. really, that, that's an ADP, that's a sort of generic ADP session. Right, right. So, so first, in a way, the, the problem, the issue, the topic, and then uh, processing the process. Processing the process. And... And really, I mean, very often, not always, but the initial processing is usually of negative emotions mm -hmm. um, that are usually troublesome mm -hmm. for people, you know, whether it's grief or rage or fear or terror or shame, you know, the damage is usually involving you know, the processing of negative emotions, whereas the trans the processing transformational experience is usually working with positive emotions, mm -hmm. right? Because the person has just yeah. accomplished something. They've yeah. just done something. They feel so much better in, in small or huge ways. Yeah. And the dyad has accomplished something, or the person has self-empathized with whatever it is, something positive, and then working experientially mm -hmm. with all of the positive emotions that emerge as a result of what the diet has just accomplished is another whole process, and, you know, counter to what's counter to maybe intuition, or just what some people believe sort of poo-poo positive emotions, yeah. they are often even more anxiety-producing mm -hmm. than the negative emotions. So it's not like it's just some, yeah. you know, Pollyannish kind of body-da, isn't everything great? I mean, in this example, I can see that, in a way, it's about, okay, now you know that you can get into an assertive stance, but, you know, how can you stay in it and, uh, you know, just have the, you know, so in a way part of it is about the ability to stay in that state and the ability to understand the process of getting from the negative to the positive. And realizing all of the stuff that comes up, the shame that comes around, positive things, guilt, non-entitlement, fear, vulnerability, Mm -hmm. you know, it feels very intimate, it feels very close to self, so it's not some linear process. It's yeah. yet another opportunity. 
very yeah. deep processing. Yeah. So I can see that, uh, you know, as you describe it this way, a sense that it's really uh, an entry into a process of deep change. Yeah. Yeah. And how it sits in the psyche. Mm -hmm. You know, because it's very much desired, and yet it's also frightening and new and unsettling and has to be processed yeah. as much as anything else. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Diana. This is part of the Active Pause podcast. To see more and subscribe to the newsletter, go to activepause.com.